Welcome to Spooky Psychology with Megan and Lauren. Hello and welcome back to Spooky Psychology with Megan and temporarily not Lauren. Lauren's still on maternity leave doing her thing. She's having a great time. Thanks everyone for the kind messages and well wishes that you have sent me to send to her and I'm sure sent her directly as well. So, like I said, I wasn't going to let you guys down during this, the spooky season, October, so here are my not exactly solo episodes, because today in a spooky psych first, I have a guest host. So, our guest host today, he has a bachelor's degree in psychology from Northern Illinois University, just like me and Lauren. He is a stand-up comedian, and most importantly, is also my brother. So say hello to Jack Baker. Hi, Megan. It is so nice to talk to you in virtual format once again. (laughs) Virtual format, hanging out with your siblings. Always, always fun. We could have done this in person, but why when technology exists? I mean, why would we ever choose to hang out in the same room together? We were forced to so often as children, so... Right, this is this would have been much better for our childhood if we could have all been in separate buildings <laughs> talking to each other virtually. We would have gotten along much better collectively, but uh, we, made, we made it through just fine-ish. We're all right now. Yeah, we've got those bachelor's degrees from Northern Illinois University, so clearly everything worked out just fine. That's exactly what you want for your children. No offense to any of our listeners who might be at Northern Illinois University. As uh, everyone I've ever heard describes it, it's an okay school. It was was enough. It did its job. Yeah. Why would you want to go to a great school when you could be a big fish in a small pond? I mean, it was it was an experience. It was a good time, for the most part-ish. Not really, but you know, that's fine. We learned things. That's what's important. That's we how got those degrees. It, you, uh, Lauren, and I all became best friends, and not me in that part. But, you know, I knew you. I knew Lauren a little bit. You knew. You've met Lauren on multiple occasions. We saw Marilyn Manson and Alice Cooper together. We did all see Marilyn Manson and Alice Cooper together. And that's what we're here to talk about, the psychology behind Marilyn Manson and Alice Cooper. And we do not have enough time for that. This <laughs> big surprise, Marilyn Manson, apparently not a good dude. All those reports are coming out, and anyone who listened to his music is kind of like, I'm not super surprised by any of this. Alice Cooper seems like a great dude, though. Yeah, I really, yeah, he seems he seems a lot more solid. Manson's got some problems now, so we're not really here to talk about that concert, you know, but that would be fun, that whole other episode. Actually, that would be a fun episode, doing a lot of theatrical stuff. Um, so yeah, Jack, why, why don't you just uh, tell us a bit about yourself? Uh, Anything like, you want to share? I think you mentioned that I am a comedian. Yeah, uh, the Zoom kind of cut out for a second while you're doing my intro, so I had no idea when I was supposed to come in. <laughs> you actually came in at the perfect time. So. I guessed, and I was just hoping that it was right. <laughs> <laughs> it was perfect. Yes, I did mention that you are, in fact, a stand-up comedian. Yeah, I, uh, I do that a lot. I don't have any dates to plug because I don't know when this is going to air because Megan has already given me two different dates when it was going to be published. But, you know, I'm around, so I do stand-up comedy. I am in uh, <laughs> a c- 
cryptozoological enthusiast uh, and a pretty big skeptic. So I enjoy them, but I don't think they're real. Yes. So we, obviously this episode, you've all seen the title. It's about cryptozoology. Fun fact, in our audience survey, cryptozoological episode was the least requested episode, but I just wanted to do it. So, Well, it was always our dream. Has this ever been talked about on the podcast before? Megan and I grew up dreaming of being talking heads on one of those History Channel uh, cryptozoology documentaries. So this is probably the closest we're ever going to get. So thank you for helping me live that childhood dream, Megan. You're welcome. And thank you. And thank you to our audience for helping our dreams come true. Jack and I were also tossing around starting a cryptozoology podcast like a couple yeah, so years if ago. This, if this one blows up, spin-off. Spin-off series, just us talking about cryptozoology. But I think what is so interesting in this episode is that, you know, myself, Jack, and our sister Kate are all cryptid enthusiasts in a different way. Jack is by far the most skeptical. Yes, I would. I would probably be the most skeptical in all things. In all things. But especially cryptids. Especially cryptids. And our sister Kate, we do have an interview with her. I wasn't able to record it for a lot of reasons, but I will we'll read it out. But our sister Kate... We'll do Kate, a dramatic reading. Very dramatic. You guys will learn great. I am a whiz with voices. Absolutely. And I'm sure you do a great Kate impression that won't bother her at all. <laughs> uh, but Kate is an actual Bigfoot hunter. Kate is a strong believer. Uh, she is also the one out of the three of us with the strictest science background. She's a chemist and a Bigfoot enthusiast believer. And that I feel like I'm kind of in the middle. I think some cryptids might be real, and, like, I really want Bigfoot to be real. I very much want Bigfoot to be an actual creature, but I am not solidly there and convinced that here he is. But if anyone could prove it, I would be, like, overjoyed that Bigfoot existed. I'd be like, that's awesome. That would be a fun day on Twitter when Bigfoot was found. That would just, that would be amazing. Think of the memes, guys. It would be really, really great for us as a society, especially if we could find him while this pandemic is still going and everyone's real sad. Like, I, it would be... You wouldn't be able to tell it's him because he would have a mask on. (laughs) Well, he's very cautious about it. It would be He's good about social distancing. He's been doing it for a long time. He is the social distancing champ. I feel like the discovery of Bigfoot would basically just be Tiger King 2.0 and, like, Man, Tiger King pandemic, that was a nice time. Everyone was still pretty upbeat. We were just texting about that. The memes were on point. Then everything got sad. So Think about how great that documentary would be. That would be amazing. Uh, Speaking of documentaries, just going to throw this out there. I know I told everyone to watch this several episodes ago, but the Sasquatch documentary on Hulu. So good. It is amazing, um, and I will be bringing that up, actually, in terms of talking about hoaxes as another possible reason. They're, uh... Dun-dun-dun. I do. I love to love to throw things out there. These are the... Everyone knows... Get a little mystery going. Know what they're in for this episode. So, we're gonna talk about cryptozoology! I understand a lot of you clicked the button that you really did not want to hear this. That's fine. Don't listen if you don't want to. Our next episode will be back to normal 
uh, back to topics that we more typically talk about. So we'll be good. Normal content is. I think you should still listen because I think this is going to be so much fun. I think so, and if anything, you'll just get to know a bit more about me. Uh, and then you will probably feel bad for her based on her brother. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'll wait for all of the apology emails coming in. Like, your brother seems terrible. I think I'm delightful. You are delightful. You are delightful, and as everyone will learn, strongly opinionated. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, you don't bring me on to kind of, I don't know, keep things nice. I'm here for the hot takes. Yeah. Jack likes to argue, so we're going to have a great time. So, first of all, we're just going to go in, for those of you who don't know, some definitions, as we always do. So, cryptozoology is the study of animals whose existence has not been proven. And usually, more specifically, animals who the evidence is dubious at best, it's questionable. It's not just that they haven't been proven, it's that most people do not believe there is any chance that they possibly exist. The evidence is largely circumstantial, and those circumstances are more like, hmm, I guess? <laughs> right, right. And so, there, there's a lot of different ones. The cryptids specifically refers to the animals themselves. Now, examples of cryptids are our main man, Bigfoot, or the Yeti. There are multiple variations of Bigfoot around the world. Basically, just any large hominid that still exists that is larger than a human and oftentimes thought of as aggressive, pretty aggressive. And, and hairy. Uh, and hairy, with large feet. Um, so there's. Oh, Bigfoot that's where they got the name. I know, amazing. They really thought that one through. Uh, so there's also the Chupacabra. That's probably the f the most fun word to say in terms of cryptozoology. Chupacabra. Chupacabra is great. Um, the chupacabra is a... It's supposed to be a dog-like thing that sucks the blood out of goats. Yeah, Primarily, a vampire dog. A vampire dog. Um, if you thought your puppy was bad. <laughs> those vampire dogs going and bleeding all the goats dry. Uh, but not in, like, a fun cartoon Halloween kind of way. More like a scary, will kill your goat kind of way. Yes, very scary. And I believe they are they are largely thought to kill lots of animals other than goats. Uh, there's Nessie, the Loch Ness Monster. I prefer to call her Nessie. It's a fun name. Yeah. She seems so snuggly. Right. I think out of all the cryptids, like... <laughs> The Loch Ness Monster seems like the nicest one. Like, no one's ever, like, the Nessie's trying to fuck shit up. They're like, I saw her in the distance. There's before really the, no violence. Before the end of the episode, can we can we do a ranking of which of cryptids in terms of which we would want to hang out with? Yes, absolutely. I'm about <laughs> perfect. That. that sounds perfect. And then another example is the Mothman, who is a exactly what you would think, like a human moth-bird hybrid situation that allegedly is a sign that a natural disaster is about to occur. Unfortunate for Chicago, as there have apparently been a lot of Chicago Mothman signs lately sighting. So be on the lookout, people of Chicago. I guess Mothman has indicated some harm will befall us, so... Eyes to the skies, people. Although apparently... Stay alert. 
let us know if you see Mothman or if something bad happens. If someone could let me know, that would be great. Um, and also, for real, I want to throw this out to the audience. If you believe in cryptids and you've seen them, I would like to hear every single story you have. Again, I am an enthusiast. I am. I would too, not for the podcast. I just like to know things about interesting people. <laughs> so... I'll share them with Jack if you're okay with that. If you send him in, I would love to hear him because uh, I think I am, I am an enthusiast, and I don't necessarily believe in cryptids, but I'm very open to it. I just don't have enough evidence, but I would love it. So yeah, and they stopped making up. episodes of Monster Quest. So like, how are we supposed to learn about sightings now, other than people sending them in? I will say the Cryptozoology Reddit had a disappointing amount of first person sightings i was looking pretty heavily it was like a lot of youtube videos and like drawings and no just stories and i was like people of reddit this is what you're here for like weird first-hand experience of things i need to see that right that's the only thing that reddit is good for yeah we have or learning secrets about your favorite reality television shows oh, it's also good for that we we did lean heavily on uh reddit during our phobias episode lots of great first-hand phobia stories on reddit very good for stuff like that but surprisingly hard to find stories of bigfoot sightings or anything on there uh it was more of people arguing about whether or not bigfoot was real so like, it was just me. kate you were actually just in a facebook message with kate <laughs> Kate just uh, explaining. No, Kate. Kate wouldn't argue whether or not they're real. Kate is solidly on one side of things, <laughs> but she is in good company. So, I found this um, through Chapman University, the Paranormal America Survey. So, the last time they did this was in 2018. We don't have the newest version yet. Okay, they come out like every three years. So I, this is the only survey that I would ever want to take. If someone called me and they were like, would you like to take the paranormal survey? I could not say yes fast enough. He would be there. So this is actually a subset of the Survey of American Fears. So it is a larger survey that they do where they ask to rank a lot of fears. Uh, the 2021 list of American fears is a real downer in case anybody's wondering. <laughs> It gets dark. There's a lot of uh, distrust in the government, fear of your loved ones dying of COVID. Yeah. Shocker to everyone. So, looking at this stat. So, basically, research on belief in cryptids is all looped into beliefs on paranormal in general. Cryptids are like one part of the seven-part scale of paranormal beliefs. They are their own thing. So it's very hard to find research that specifically talked about cryptids and belief in that. So we're going to do our best with what we have here. So we're starting it tonight. Yes. So Jack and I are starting a new research By team. tonight, I mean today, because it is 9.35 in the morning. Very early. If we have any listeners that are statisticians or research techs who want to help us start a Bigfoot Research Center that's very scientific... Let us know. That would be amazing. And funding. We need funding for we this Bigfoot Research Center. We need funding. Uh, we also need snacks. If someone could prepare <laughs> snacks, that would be awesome. So, But, like, funding more importantly. <laughs> funding first, then we'll get to the snacks. I haven't eaten yet today, so I'm very snack-minded. Uh, so, basically, if you're looking at all paranormal phenomena, Americans 
have a high level of belief in the paranormal overall. Three quarters of Americans believe in some form of paranormal phenomena. And one in five Americans claim to have actually seen a ghost. So, do you claim to have seen a ghost or just heard from a ghost? Or are we not allowed to talk about that? Dun, dun, dun. I, have, I have never seen a ghost directly. I have heard things and I have seen things move, but I have not actually seen a ghost itself. Yeah, I'm pretty sure uh, Mom is the same way. I don't think she says that she's seen a ghost, but she has felt a ghostly presence. Mm-hmm. And here I am, never experiencing anything. Just like a sucker. You, you have it. Which is weird, because everybody in our family, except for Jack, has experienced some sort of ghost presence in every house we've ever had. <laughs> and even, I've probably, even the new house? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, no, Tim had a ghost experience at the new house, as has mom, and... Okay, we need to talk about that. How have we never talked about this before? How have we never talked about this? So my husband lived with us at our family's house for a while, and... He I was heard. there too, and you never told me, or was I gone? By this then? was after you okay. had moved out. Um, Jack had to abandon us and like go be an adult. <laughs> That's why on it, his it, own. it wasn't a ghost; they just missed me. <laughs> Which we just missed. It was just Jack <laughs> pretending to be a ghost. That would actually track. <laughs> uh, no, I do a pretty good ghost impression. You do. It's it's phenomenal. No, Tim was home alone. Everybody was at work. And he heard an old woman walking around upstairs, opening and closing doors, and saying, This isn't right. This is not supposed to be here. Where's my house? So. I just got chills. So. I don't know if it's because of the story or because the air conditioning came on, but either way, I'm chilled and (laughs) spooked out. So that, um, what the possible attribution to that is that our step father's mother Shirley did die in that house and then we tore the house down and built a new house in its place uh mom knows that story and it freaked her out and she was like never tell Jay his mother's concerned about the house that's like cool so yeah so pretty much everyone I heard stuff as well so literally everyone except for Jack has experienced some weird stuff in every house we've had and Jack's always there just like ghosts aren't real no one hears anything it's like how have you not I don't I I I don't even know that I mean I'm kind of disappointed now that I've never heard anything I know yeah we all have me and Kate when we were kids growing up there was a lot of weird stuff in our room Um, so yeah, I have not physically seen a ghost, though. I've just, like, heard things and, like, experienced some, some suspicious things. I'm not a hundred percent sold in the concepts of ghosts, but I think I'm a lot more, I'm a lot more closer to believing in ghosts than you are, for sure, and than I am in believing in cryptids. Yeah, I would probably be more likely to believe in ghosts than most cryptids but i don't think that it's necessarily ghosts but Mm -hmm. i don't know why this isn't really an episode about ghosts there should be an episode about ghosts so we'll get there we'll get there we'll bring you that'll be the next episode i'm on and people are gonna be like why is he back to talk about nonsense again we like to learn about psychology (laughs) 
That's uh, a real science, not this pseudoscience. To be fair, our podcast is roughly 50% psychology and 50% nonsense. So I would, I'm going to push that number a little bit more towards nonsense. That is perfectly fine. So if we're looking, right? So there's a lot. A lot of people believe in ghosts. But now if we look at the paranormal beliefs, this is the percentage of people who agree or strongly agree with the statements. So this is from 2018. Uh, 57.7% agreed that places can be haunted by spirits. Uh, 56.9% believe that ancient advanced civilizations such as Atlantis once existed. Alright, before we can move on, I just learned a very interesting fact about this. Please share. Atlantis. Pretty much no one believed that Atlantis was real. Mm -hmm. Until a United States congressman from the state of Minnesota <coughs> published a series of pseudoscientific works. And one of the claims was that Atlantis was real. And so this is where largely the belief in Atlantis becoming a real place comes from. His name was like Ignatius something. And he mm. was a wackadoo United States congressman. Huh. Because Plato says that it's not real yeah like it was largely thought of as a mythical place throughout history. that was the whole point suddenly, it was yeah. <laughs> it was an allegory yes or but then then someone <laughs> well according to a united states congressman in the 1800s i just recently learned that and thought that it was very silly and that also not that's when you think about the current makeup of Congress, it makes a lot of sense that we've always had wackadoo conspiracy theory-minded people there. I mean, also, just statistically, I think if you're looking at, um, there, there is, we'll get to, I'll tell you more in a bit, but actually, given that belief in the paranormal does have a mild association with narcissism, as does a career in politics, it really would not be surprising. There is some overlap. Well, I think it was John Quincy Adams, when he was president, tried to fund an expedition to the center of the Earth that he believed could be entered from the North Pole. Yeah. There was also, I forget exactly, one of the... There was a presidential ghost sighting I was reading about. I'll have to look at the specifics. that saw uh, the ghost of Abraham Lincoln in the White House and talked to it for a bit. He was just walking around saying, this isn't right, this isn't my house. Exactly. It's a common theme, that's what Tim really saw. Chills, I just got chills. The ghost of Abraham Lincoln lives in my mother's house, apparently, disguised as an old woman. He's trying to find his gold. He, st he still can't find his gold. It's tragic. Uh, so 41.4% of Americans believe that aliens have visited Earth in our ancient past. 35.1 believe aliens have come to Earth in modern times. I find that a weird distinction that more people believe it happened in the past than happens now. But yeah, I mean, if you're going to believe, you might as well believe all the way. Not right. like, I don't know. Right, we were just watching uh, some ancient aliens stuff the other night. We've been watching the... Have you ever seen the BuzzFeed Unsolved Paranormal series? I have not. So basically, there's two guys, and one of them believes in, like, all paranormal. 
activity. Like, 100% he's real superstitious getting holy water when they go into these haunted places. The other guy doesn't believe in anything, although he's he is more likely to believe in Bigfoot than ghosts, from what he said, because Bigfoot <laughs> is a flesh-and-blood creature. Ghosts are, like, a spirit, so he's like, I think it's more likely for undiscovered animals to exist than ghosts, but they just go to haunted places and stay there all night, and one guy tries to convince the skeptical guy that this stuff actually exists, and they were, they just did, I saw an episode on Ancient Aliens, which was hilarious, because everything was just like, people could not have built pyramids. Aliens. It's like, they could have. They absolutely could have. We already did the studies on it. Yeah. I mean, I think there's other reasons that people believe in some of those things. Right. Alright, so some people can move objects with their minds. 26.2% believe that. Some people uh, can blow shit up with their minds. <laughs> should watch Accepted. It's a great movie. 20.7% uh, of Americans believe Bigfoot is a real creature. So, more people think that people can move objects with their minds than believe in Bigfoot. And the last... Least popular phenomena is that fortune tellers and psychics can foresee the future, 17.2%. Uh, between 2017 and 2018, six in the seven paranormal items increased. Uh, however, the only exception, no additional people think that fortune tellers and psychics, that is the one that is not budging. I think it's actually going It's because Miss Cleo doesn't do commercials anymore. Those commercials were very persuasive. So she's really a lot. The field is getting discredited. But all seven items have risen in belief since 2016. But between 2017 and 2018, fortune tellers did not get more credible. So now, getting more into some of the research on why why do we believe this? There's a lot of different theories on why people believe this. One of the predominant ones is the coping theory that it's a believing in, you know, the paranormal is a way to cope with the unpredictability of the world and that things really are random. So people are prone to cope by believing that outside forces and different things are possible. Right, which makes sense why that would have increased since 2016 when the Cubs won the World Series and then everyone lost their minds. What a time. What a time, man. What that curse was protecting us the whole time, and we didn't even realize. We didn't know. We thought it was a bad thing. I don't, can you it was the only thing keeping the evil away. Can you explain the curse for our listeners from other countries who probably are not aware of this? So, in when the Cubs played in the 1945 World Series against the Yankees, there was a man who wanted to bring his pet goat to the game, and they would not let him bring the goat to the World Series game. And he cursed the Cubs and said that they were never going to win the World Series again. And then they didn't even play in the World Series again until 2016. So it had been 1908 is when they last won. So it was 108 years before they were able to win again. Mm -hmm. so... And, so, and the curse, I mean, there wasn't a real curse, but the fact that they hadn't won in so long, and then any time that they got close, all the people started talking about the curse, which created all kinds of extra tension, which and some people would think negatively impacted their performance mm -hmm. in big games. Yes. That being fair, though, there were also many people who did attempt to reverse the curse by bringing goats to Wrigley yes. Field. That has been a very real thing as well. 
Uh, I have not personally interviewed these people, so I cannot... You have not interviewed the goats either, which is more upsetting. I have not interviewed the goats. Until today, here we've got... We've got Billy the Billy Goat. The ghost of Billy the Goat. It was really the goat doing the curse, let's be real. He was deeply offended that he wasn't... I wasn't even the human. He was the the baseball fan. The human didn't even like baseball. He didn't even like... He was more of a football guy. The The goat goat just wanted a hot dog. Obviously, yes. So I don't know if people brought go- were trying to bring goats genuinely in an effort to reverse the fortune and get rid of the curse, but uh, that's why there's so much goat stuff by Wrigley Field. But we're going to go with some definitions here. You guys know I always like the definition. So first psychological research, the definition of paranormal typically is the hypothesized processes that in principle are physically impossible or outside the realm of human capabilities. So anything that, like, is not something we can physically do kind of falls into the research definition of paranormal. Um, That is also why in psychological research, pretty much every religion is considered belief in the paranormal because the vast majority of religions do involve things that, stories about things that humans cannot typically do. So that is in there as well. Um, there was this researcher, Irwin, who said, Paranormal beliefs are held because they serve significant psychodynamic needs of an individual, which is the psychodynamic functions hypothesis. So believing that, like, it's filling a need that we have. Um, pretty similar to the coping thing, that there is a function that it is fulfilling some of our needs to understand the universe and for our own benefit in order to believe in paranormal. So... There are some personality factors that are related to belief in the paranormal. One is neuroticism, which is the tendency to experience negative emotions. There specifically there's a positive So yeah, neuroticism, then there is a positive correlation between narcissism and the belief in PSI precognition, witchcraft and spiritualism. Um well, I mean, if you're going to believe that you are the greatest living thing, then you should have spiritual and magical powers. Right, and so usually it's believed that the paranormal um, may be preoccupied with fantasies of unlimited power and success. I don't think everyone who believes in the paranormal is on that, but particularly people with high levels of narcissism who also believe in the paranormal would be more likely to believe in the parts of paranormal about them specifically having powers and their ability to do that. Here we are. So yeah, neuroticism is anxiety, depression, and anger. Um, So people who... So that's a big part of it is the neuroticism and the narcissism. And then one of the biggest things is an external locus of control. So you can have either an internal locus of control or an external. Internal is that you are largely in control of everything. External is that outside forces are pretty much in charge of everything. So people who have an external locus of control are more likely to believe in paranormal activity. Um, Well, right. Well, that also makes sense with the coping theory that it's reassuring to think that everything is connected and that there's a reason that all these things keep happening to you Mm -hmm. and not just randomness even if that reason is a curse or bigfoot it could really be anything on the paranormal spectrum um but on on the 
you know, I guess more lighthearted. And a lot of this research is highly contested. Um, reading the literature reviews on this are hilarious because it's just like, this person is an idiot and this hasn't been supported. So a lot of these are general trends that have been found, but they're not being consistently found in every study. And some studies are coming up with conflicting data because this isn't, believe it or not, beliefs in the paranormal and what they call parapsychology, not actually that, uh, not really a hot research field. There's not a lot going on with it. There um, should be. I agree. I would like That's to probably why I it. stopped my interest in psychology. I was like, what? I can't do parapsychological research. Yep, I'm yep. going into comedy. NIU did not have a parapsychology department. Highly disappointing. Get on that. Um, but paranormal beliefs are also correlated positively with creativity, sensation seeking, and hypnotic suggestion, and a linkage to a cognitive style of fantasizing. So people who are more fantasy prone hmm. are more likely to believe in the paranormal. So another interesting thing is that, and there's, um, I can go more into some studies about this, but there is also a positive correlation between a history of childhood trauma and belief in the paranormal. So if you are traumatized as a child, you had some bad stuff happen, much more likely to believe, maybe not much more likely, again, very hard with this research, but more likely to believe in the paranormal than somebody who had like a healthy and well-adapted child. Because why would you believe in ghosts if everything was good all the time? <laughs> that is true. If like everything is solid all the time and you've like never really, you know, had these bad experiences, it makes sense that you'd be less likely to believe it. Um, there's also the cultural factor. Erwin also indicated the level of paranormal belief in an individual is part of a function of the cultural environment, but there, the, it should not be argued that paranormal beliefs are cultural. It's more acceptable to claim that cultural is responsible not for the belief in the paranormal itself, but for what variety of paranormal beliefs you believe in. There are certain things that are culturally tied. Um, so it would shift like, because not everybody within those cultures has paranormal beliefs to begin with. Not everybody does. But the people who do tend to have certain groups that are very popular in that area that they'd be more likely to believe in. Is it also, I'm guessing it's also depending on culture, it's probably more acceptable mm -hmm. to just have them in general. Yeah. Yeah, I, well, and also I think... Like, know, if you started talking about this stuff in the 1950s America, you'd be called a communist, and you'd be <laughs> sent away. Possibly, yeah. I mean, the other thing, though, is that I think another impact of culture is if it's culturally acceptable to believe in the paranormal, you'd be more likely to indicate that you do in research. So there's also right. that factor of... There may be more people who believe in it when it's unpopular, but like Jack said, don't want to be called a communist and sent somewhere, so just don't actually bring it up that often. But like, low-key and small groups are just like, have we talked about hey. aliens lately? <laughs> do you believe in Bigfoot? Blink once if you do. Right? I mean, there are always people who believe different things. And this is so hard, I think because there is a stigma to believing in certain paranormal things over others. We always have to consider the stigma in research, especially since most of this research is just like surveys. Right, because you're going to feel pressure to answer the survey question one way or the other, just mm -hmm. based on 
what you think the researcher wants, and then also what you think people would say about you if they found out it was you yeah. who answered that question. So there is that. That is always a factor. Um, Rodolfo et al. in 2010 found strong evidence that individuals are more likely to accept paranormal claims as true when they believe those claims have popular support. So like we were saying, if everyone believes it, if it's like a popular thing in the area, you are much more likely to believe it if other people do. Um, it's also worth noting that the most common reason given for believing in paranormal phenomena is personal experience and strength of paranormal belief is positively co correlated with a number of subjective paranormal experiences. However, at the same hand, Blackmore indicates that people who believe in the paranormal are more likely to interpret normal events as paranormal. Is it swamp gas or is it UFOs? I don't know. Another big one is sleep deprivation. If you are sleep deprived enough, you will just straight up start to hallucinate. And it only takes like a couple days of poor sleep. Like we are not that good. Even is there... Is there a correlation between uh, new motherhood and increasing beliefs in paranormal activity? I want to do that study. Let's that would call. be interesting. I should. You know what I should have done? Let's call Lauren. I should have given Lauren a survey on her paranormal beliefs before and after she had Benny. I dropped the ball. We'll ask her take, though. If she suddenly started believing in something she didn't before, I'd be like, what happened? Uh, I'm going to start... I'm going to start a very scientifically unrigorous study of that, a.k.a. Of Lauren. start asking people that I know who are having babies. Just Perfect. Like, just be like, hello, welcome, your child is beautiful. Have you recently begun to believe in Bigfoot or aliens? <laughs> Spooky and Psychology Podcast slash research. Research. We're doing it. Um, so there was, uh, I, I did find a study that actually specifically talked about as they put it, the beliefs in extraordinarily life forms, which I think covers both aliens and cryptids. But this is from the Journal of the International Journal of Indian Psychology. This is a study from India. Apparently, India is absolutely studying this. A lot of other countries are not. So, way to go, Ashwathi Prasud and Baju Gopal. They are they're doing the real research. Real proud of you. Um, so they found that in personality traits, in their study, they had people thought of belief in paranormal scale, a personality scale, and a couple other things as well. And they found that the belief in extraordinarily life forms was found to have a significant positive correlation with the personality trait of openness to experience, which makes sense. If you're someone who's really open to different things and different beliefs, then you would be more open to this coming into existence. Um, the study revealed that few dimensions of childhood traumatic experience and paranormal beliefs were significantly correlated, so they also had people do a childhood traumatic scale. They did find that childhood trauma in general did increase the belief in the paranormal, but they weren't able to pair certain types of trauma with certain beliefs in the paranormal. They tried to Which to which would be weird if you could. Right. Um I think That's that probably something the Nazis tried to do. They, we have discussed the Nazis on multiple times. I am sure that you have. Because they did some research. Uh, well, and they also course. very much believed in the paranormal. That was a big part of, like, the Nazi mythology. I did not actually know that. Yeah, like that, that in, um, 
uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, when like the idea of them looking for the Ark of the Covenant is based in reality. Like mm-hmm. they were thinking that aliens existed, and some of the ancient alien stuff was part of the idea of where like the Aryan race came from. That they were mm. descendants of that, and they were looking for some of these symbols to help give them power because they were all kind of wrapped up in the occult. I'm going to have to do more research on this. Fast. Yeah, I guess you never watched the Hitler and Occult documentary. No, I did not. We didn't watch that one together. We did not. So, nor, nor I believe, did you text me about this. So That was probably when we were only talking in Simpsons quotes. I, and I didn't know how to make it work through that. That's fair. That was a good couple of years. It was a long time where we literally only communicated in Simpsons quotes, and our mom would be like, you didn't tell them this? And it was like, no, there's not a Simpsons quote for that. It would never have come up. If Homer didn't say those words, then I'm not going to say those words. No, the Simpsons never covered that Kate is coming into town next weekend and would like breakfast. Like, they did not cover that specific level of detail in our lives. So, irrelevant. But I'm going to have to watch this Hitler and the Occult documentary. Sounds fascinating. Um, but in general, the study could identify certain significant predictions of paranormal beliefs from childhood experience of death, physical illness or injury, and significant life experiences, personality traits of neuroticism, conscientiousness, extroversion, agreeableness, and open to experience. So, like, all of them were correlated, which makes it questionable how statistically significant everything is. But unlike previous research findings, the relationship between certain dimensions of paranormal beliefs and the other two variables of personality traits and childhood trauma could not be thoroughly established. So, research is conflicting. Just like you said, that was solid foreshadowing. I know, thank you. I try my best to foreshadow. Ups, I think it ups the listenability. Yeah, yeah, it's good radio. You gotta give them teasers so they stick around for later. Over the commercial breaks, which we don't have, but we do have some affiliate links. I'm recording that separately, so. Except for today, where we're brought to you by Skippy Peanut Butter. Skippy, it's better than Jif. (laughs) Now with less sorbitol. Wonderful. Uh, So I think something that I always love to think about is cryptids that actually turned out to be real. So people have thought through cryptids for quite a long time. This is not a new phenomena. So the giant and colossal squid was actually my first introduction to cryptids because in the second grade, I sat next to a young boy by the name of Danny White who was absolutely obsessed with giant squids. He would draw me pictures of giant squids, colossal squids. He spent every single day of the second grade trying to convince me that giant squids existed. I did not believe him because they hadn't, their bodies had been discovered in 1870, but it still wasn't like that believed because when a bloated corpse of an animal washes to shore it's very hard to get concrete measurements like it's just hard to. so what you're saying is that you didn't want to believe in this paranormal thing until it was more commonly accepted by other people just like the research told us 
Or when it was caught on film in 2004, and then I concretely believed that it was real. Uh, because I think the giant squid and the colossal squid represent what, to me, are the most likely cryptids to be real, which is anything deep ocean related. They're hard to catch because they're in the deep ocean, but it's largely unexplored. And uh, in my opinion, very scary. I'm terrified of the deep It's ocean. only largely unexplored because James Cameron hasn't made another movie down there, or else we would have found everything. Would have found everything, but you know what? I also think that the ocean, uh-huh. I don't know if we belong scary. there. Terrifying. It's scarier than outer space. I agree with that. I also think that nothing that we're finding in the deep ocean makes me think that we have any business being there. It just gets creepier and creepier every time they find a new animal. It's like, great. Yeah, like, I read 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. I think I've seen enough. <laughs> I am good. Um, but yeah, they did actually catch the giant squid on film in 2004. They do have more animals now that they've been able to you know, find and prove. So that one did, people were like, there are no giant squids, and there are stories going back hundreds of years yeah, on the giant All those squid. people on those boats all that time were wrong. They didn't know but what they But they were saw. right. They saw giant squids. They did. They saw the kraken. The kraken. The other thing that is interesting is there is some research to suggest that uh, a lot of the, like, sea monster pictures that we have throughout history are actually whale penises a lot of times when they're mating their penises come up out of the water and uh i i've seen pictures i can see why someone would think it was a sea monster if there's a large group of whales that does actually kind of track and it does look similar to some drawings of sea monsters through history but giant squids very concretely do do actually exist the people on boats that were like there was a giant squid on us, and people are like, nah, they they were pretty accurate. Like, there was get out of here, giant squid. Vasco da Gama. Come on. Um, I don't know if he ever claimed to see a giant squid. That was just the first explorer name that came to my head. Just what you could think of right now? It's okay. We're not always the most accurate on this podcast when we mention random explorers from the past and whether or not they saw squid. It's been a long time since I was in 8th grade social studies. Right? Also, to be fair... Unless he specifically concrete wrote that he did or did not ever see a giant squid. There's no way to know that. Very I'd like to believe he did. I, but he I, didn't tell anyone. You know, he could have kept it. He was like, secret. I'm just going to keep this one as a secret. You know, some people see something and they're like, that was weird. Anyways, back to my breakfast and just never, never tell anyone. <laughs> Let's put on an eye patch. <laughs> there you go. It's been too much. I'm just going back to bed. Too much for today. <laughs> Uh, another cryptid that turned out to be real is actually one of my favorite animals, the okapi. So, you know, if we're being real, uh, largely racism that they didn't believe it. A lot of the native people were telling everybody about this animal that exists and had pictures and drawings and everything. And the, you know, the random white guys were just like, nah, that doesn't exist. They said it was a fantastical chimera animals so just a combination of multiple animals it was proven to exist in 1901 okapis live in forests and just don't particularly like people uh so they'd run away but because their hindquarters look like that of a zebra for those of you who don't know okapis are the only animal in the same family as the giraffe they call them a forest giraffe and they look like a donkey mixed with a giraffe mixed with a zebra and that is your favorite animal it is I that and giraffes are my two favorite animals. Uh, 
And dogs. Dogs are my favorite animal to have. Uh, Winston is my favorite animal. That makes sense. I mean, Gotham very specifically is my favorite animal, but behind Gotham, I have I like giraffes and okapes. <laughs> Uh, another one are Komodo dragons. People really thought that large lizards were extinct until they found Komodo dragons, and they're like, never mind. Also, Komodo dragons, terrifying. They have poison saliva. They are so cool. At the, uh, there's one at the, um, is it the aquarium or the zoo? I think it's the aquarium. Oh. I have not. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm gonna have to look it up. But we've definitely seen one at a zoo or something. Yeah, I They're gigantic and terrifying. They are. And there's also that scene, uh, I think it's the movie The Freshman, where they release a Komodo dragon, they steal one, and then they release it in the swimming pool at a mall. Well, that's a bad idea. And people just freak out. Yeah. As you probably should if you're in the mall and there's a Komodo dragon, do freak out and get away. They're not... (laughs) They're not known for being nice. Very large lizards. Are there any large lizards that are known for being nice? No, even small lizards are, again, not known for being nice. No offense if you have pet lizards, but that's that's one that... uh, They don't really get what they do. They largely just sit in a tank. They just chill. They just hang out. So, the issue with evidence, let's get into some of the evidence now. The evidence of cryptids existing is almost always eyewitness accounts. And eyewitness accounts in the field of psychology are also known as the worst form of evidence. I think that's not just the field of psychology. I think that's the court of law. I think that's any kind of evidence. It's the worst. It it is the worst. Because our memories are bad. Right, and the thing is, particularly in times of high stress, your memory does get worse. So, for example, if you see something that you think is Bigfoot, you're probably going to be very afraid. And It would be weird if you were like, no, I'm perfectly calm. Normal, feeling great, right? So because of that, you are less likely to remember things accurately. I mean, and the thing is, eyewitness account... Just as an example, I know a couple years ago, I was in a car with my friend Sam, and we witnessed a car accident that happened directly in front of us. Gay first aid were very, very involved. The time between when the police, when, you know, the accident happened and we were interviewed by the police as witnesses of the accident was maybe a half hour, and we gave completely conflicting stories of what actually happened. I thought it happened on... The car came around us on the driver's side. He thought the car came around us on the passenger's side. It was only a half hour, and we had completely different recollections of what had actually happened, which you do see in high-stress situations pretty frequently. Um, Similar with lineups, there was uh, one study on factors affecting the accuracy of eyewitness identification. Uh, It's actually a study. This is Sheena Lorenzo, St. John Fisher College. Uh, Thank you so much for making what I'm assuming your thesis to be a literature review on all of the research on accuracy of eyewitness identification and for not putting it behind a paywall. Big thanks to you, because most of the studies that she references are behind a paywall, but her lit review was Defense attorneys everywhere are grateful for this research being behind a paywall or not behind a paywall. Not behind a paywall, right? Because we need that. And so there are a lot of factors that influence the accuracy of eyewitness accounts. There's visual conditions which 
Exposure time. If you see something for a long time versus a really quick amount of time, you're more likely to be able to identify that similar. This research is largely done with crime witnesses. If you only see someone's face in passing, you're really not likely to get it. Delay, which would be the time between when you saw the thing and when you're talking about it. Attention, right? If you're distracted and you kind of see something about out of the corner of your eye, you're less likely to remember it accurately. And levels of physiological arousal. Again, if you are panicked, then less likely to remember accurately. Uh, the age of the witness, what I found really interesting is there was a study, they did a lineup on what presumably was a false robbery, right? But identifying a robbery subject, suspect in a lineup, whether, and there were times when the lineup did contain the suspect and times they did not. The absolute highest accuracy was 18 to 19 year olds at 51% accuracy at the lineup. I find that not surprising at all because teenagers would be the best at staring at other people and immediately recognizing all of their flaws. That is true, yeah. So they're very good. Uh, I, if they had tested them, I would think that like 7th and 8th graders would score the highest because they'd be like, oh, I recognize him. He has a pimple right over his eye. Right? Uh, so they were not. the. They did. They started children wow. all the way through adulthoods. Uh, kids were pretty bad through middle school, so it right. actually it got better from elementary to the 18 to 19 year olds. There's slight increases in every age group, and after 19, it immediately starts going back down. So what they found is that's the peak. But again, that's absolute peak being 51% accurate accuracy at a lineup. That's not good odds. That's really not. People... No. People are not, you know, that great. And the other thing is I've talked about a lot in our satanic panic episode with my experience as a forensic interviewer. This is why you have to be so careful when you're interviewing that you don't lead because particularly children and teenagers are more likely to give adults the answer that they think the adult wants. So if you are really pushing, like, are you sure it's not this person? They're probably eventually going to tell you, well, maybe it's that person. Perhaps. So, and anxiety and panic decrease accuracy of memory. Uh, nobody who's anxious remembers the situation very well at all. That's just not... Well, right, because your memory is not like a videotape. It's like put together from all kinds of other information that you already have stored. So right. by being anxious and not being able to just, you know, stop and think about it and convert it from working to short-term to long-term memory, it's going to mm -hmm. get fragmented and jumbled around yeah and, and then you're gonna put an innocent bigfoot behind bars <laughs> save bigfoot do not put bigfoot in prison uh but right even with that again if you are anxious to the level where you go into fight or flight which absolutely can happen in a situation where you might be seeing a cryptid and you are afraid your memory of events once you go into fight or flight is bad because your body is so, and your brain is so focused on surviving the situation and less focused on, I need to remember everything. That's why in trauma, trauma, like lack of memory of important details of the trauma is actually one of the symptoms of PTSD. Uh, so yeah, it's pretty common that your memory is not going to be great if you're panicking. So now hoaxes jack do you have a favorite cryptid hoax uh well it i do 
but I think we might need to talk about it because there is some controversy as to whether or not it is a hoax. Ah, yes. Although it totally is. There are many things are hoaxes. Yeah, there's a lot of big ones. Um, so I was so disappointed when I found out the history of it, too. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's a little we'll, foreshadowing. We'll, we'll, ta- we'll talk about Jack's favorite hoax in a bit. Um, you know, I think interesting ones, I have a couple, but just like other ones, you know, even with the uh, Chupacabra, one of the things that is interesting is it is, it is a blood sucker, right? That is kind of the big thing with it, is it is vampiric in nature. Most of the bodies that have been found that were allegedly victims of a chupacabra are found to still have all of their blood in them, which pretty quickly debunks the blood-sucking part of it. The best theory of chupacabra is that it's uh, rabid uh, wild dogs that have mange. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's and they've done like studies on what were thought to be chupacabra corpses, and they've pretty much all been rabid dogs with mange. Uh, because dogs with mange do not look like regular dogs. They are creepy well, and terrifying. terrifying and they look like they're going to suck your blood. They do. They do. So, I mean, I get why that would be scary and why that idea would come out. Uh, there was the Deloise ape. 1929, a photo of a very tall ape was found in the belongings of Francois Deloise. He wrote about his discovery of a new ape in the Illustrated London News. And it wasn't until 1962... That another doctor who was on the expedition where this photo was taken said that Francois Deloy uh, kept a pet spider monkey because uh, he thought it was funny and the monkey died on the voyage. So he posed the corpse of the spider monkey to appear much taller with trickery and then decided to roll with it when, the in- when they wanted to talk to him about it. So it took a long time for that other doctor to reveal the truth. Right? He also described... They must have had some kind of feud. Something. You just piss him off one day. He's like, I'm going to the news about the spider monkey. No, don't do that. Does it all. But the thing is, uh, he apparently, Francois Deloy was a, uh, he was a bit of a prankster. He was known for loving pranks, so it was absolutely him. Like, this is gonna be so funny. If he was alive now, he would be on YouTube. (laughs) Exactly. Maybe TikTok, if he was trying to trying to be cool depends on how old he is i mean but old people love going on tiktok to try to oh i didn't i didn't the young people yeah i didn't want to uh i don't know insult anyone but the in terms of the creators it tends trends younger tends to trend younger or be uh middle-aged people who are trying to connect with the youth by being on tiktok and then the youth just make fun of them yeah they put their hats backwards and you know sit in chairs wrong and stuff chairs wrong do cringy tiktok uh the cardiff giant i think is one of my favorite hoaxes are you familiar with the cardiff giant i am that's the pt barnum one right so it's actually a, a guy claimed he found a giant in his backyard and then P.T. Barnum tried to buy the giant for a large sum of money and when they would not allow P.T. Barnum to buy the giant, P.T. Barnum created his own giant that he said was the original giant and sold it off as that. So P.T. Barnum's was actually a fake version of a fake giant that was found the original maker of the giant's last name was Wallace, was trying to take advantage of religious revivalism by proving the existence of biblical giants and having the revivalists pay money to come see it. So P.T. Barnum well, the, got hoaxed and then made a creation as well. 
there's a really interesting theory about all the stories of giants that it was that they were just digging up dinosaur bones mm -hmm. and not knowing what they were. So they put things together in different places and took the bones from a dinosaur. It was like, man, that leg is huge. That man must have been a giant. Yeah. And so I think that that theory kind of neatly explains how people back then might have interpreted bones that they weren't really sure what oh, to yeah. do with. Yeah. And I mean, also could have just been a general guy with gigantism. It's like seven feet tall. No right. Also, someone like this. six foot five back then would have been a giant. <laughs> right. I think the thing is like, there's a lot of talk of giants anciently, but again, it, there's there aren't specific measurements, so I think people try to think it could have just been. I mean, I have a friend who's six foot ten, Casey. <laughs> like it could have just been a regular. He was four friend. cubits high. Who knows what that means? What is a cubit? Does anyone know? It's I'm, in the Bible somewhere. I'm sure, someone knows what. I'm sure they've worked out what a what old units of measurements were. Uh, this is actually one of my favorite new hoaxes, which I didn't even know about. Uh, it's the Georgia Bigfoot. In yeah, when you think Bigfoot, you think Macon, Georgia. Georgia. Uh, but in 2008, a police officer from Clayton County, Georgia, by the name of Matt Witten, with his partner Rick Dyer, allegedly found an eight-foot dead body in the wilderness of a Bigfoot and dragged it back to civilization. They froze it to catch it preserved. A Bigfoot researcher came to examine the body and revealed it was just a costume. Do they? Do you think that they had to buy a new freezer, or they already had a freezer big enough to store an eight-foot Bigfoot costume? The thing is, is they did later admit that it was a prank and it was funny. So, uh, to use a legal term, I believe this was premeditated. So, I like the idea that they dragged it back and were like, man, why is this Bigfoot so light? He must be on a diet. Right? They would definitely notice. It wasn't, there wasn't even like a mannequin in the costume. It was just an empty costume. So that was absolutely just a prank, um, which I just like because the audacity that you think at this time and age, you can just take an empty costume in a freezer and no one at any point in time is going to be like, that's clearly a Halloween costume. And not a very good one. It's a party city costume. Party city. It's not even spirit of Halloween. The real money melon. Um, so, Bigfoot. We're going to get into Kate's interview on Bigfoot, but just a couple Bigfoot facts. Uh, Bigfoot, an ape-like creature, some sort of large hominid, also called Sasquatch. Lots of varieties around the world. There's the Yeti, the Almas, the Yaren, the Australian Yowie. I could go on, but those are the ones that came up first on Wikipedia, and this was not the most important part of my research. So, there are more Bigfoot out there. Um, and just to... They're called big feet when it's pluralized, <laughs> Megan. I'm so sorry. I haven't exactly interviewed the Bigfoot people about what they prefer. So Bigfoot, big feet, whatever. Um, but just to back up statistically, because in her interview she does talk about, my sister talks about how um, the, the percentage of the U.S. forest... So the United States is 33.9% forested, and it is largely unprotected forest. So her statement about there being a lot of forests that are not protected and really aren't any particular, like, you know, aren't in, like, forest preserves is an accurate statement. So, I so at least part of what she says is real. I mean, I, t t to be fair, what she says is real. 
as in they are her words, they do exist. But uh, how, how do you, would you, do you want to mock this interview? I will be me and you will be Kate. Sure. I can't think of anything more that I would like to do this morning than pretend to be my sister in an interview. With your other sister. This is getting yes. very meta. This is um, like a parent trap situation. This is really, really bizarre. Okay, so first things first. Do you believe that Bigfoot exists? Yes. I believe that there is an unidentified hominid that we call Bigfoot, or many of the other names, Sasquatch, Wood Ape, Skunk Ape, and Grassman. I don't know why, but I always feel like these... Uh, Bigfoot eyewitness accounts should have a bit of a twang and a southern accent. Kate absolutely does not have a southern accent. She does accent. not. She's going Her to hate this voice so much. But it felt appropriate to read what was written. And so. we look forward to the argument at Christmas that is inevitably going to happen. Out That'll Jackson. be the spooky psych episode on family fighting. <laughs> the spooky psych episode on family holidays descending Family feud edition. Woo! Steve Harvey will be the guest host. Wonderful. We'll work on that. Uh, so what led you to that conclusion? Actually, Jeremy showed me the Patterson-Ginlan film, which is very convincing, which I will link below. In addition, we read Dr. Jeff Meldrum's book, and his take is very convincing. I will discuss his book more below. Cryptozoology is really interesting. Any animals we know today were once believed to be cryptids. Gorillas and the platypus are the ones I know of off the top of my head. The platypus we are was also a cryptid, yeah. We are still learning, exploring, and understanding the world. New animals and plants are being found regularly. People are seeing something, and that needs to be investigated and taken seriously as it is being done in places all over the world. As scientists, we should investigate and look into these sightings and not just dismiss them. The Loch Ness Monster is a good example of this. All the lakes with lake monsters are located in the northern hemisphere and were carved by glaciers. The glaciers pushed down the trees into a large hole, and it filled up with water. The coldness of the water preserved the trees very well, but over time one gets loose and floats to the surface or releases methane bubbles. Right, that is a logical scientific answer to a mystery. And that, that is a largely scientific reasoning a lot of people have given to some of the uh, sea creatures, that they're just trees. Um, just trees. Just What a bummer. Just regular. Just, it's just a tree. Tree. Would you like to take this Look, Mom, it's a Loch Ness Monster. Nope, that's a tree. It's not even a tree, that is just a twig with a worm on it. <laughs> the Loch Ness Monster could actually just be a worm. It could be. Could be a worm that you've zoomed in on very closely. <laughs> uh, Jack, would you like to give your rebuttal <sighs> to the Patterson Gimlin film? That is his favorite hoax. It's a hoax. It made me so sad. That's the one. You've all seen it. It's the one where the Bigfoot's walking out in a clearing, and he kind of has a goofy walk where he like stretches his arms out while he walks, and then he kind of looks at the camera directly, which is the one thing you're never supposed to do when you're on camera is look directly at the camera. Mm -hmm. Amateur hour. But I can't remember if it was Patterson or Gimlin, but one of them had previously been involved in trying to hoax Bigfoot and was making a fiction movie about Bigfoot at the time they supposedly just happened to stumble upon him walking out or her sorry we don't know walking out through the clearing 
uh, in California. And then mysteriously, these two guys who longtime best friends be had a falling out uh, and didn't talk to each other for 20 years. And so, if you're going to think of Occam's Razor, that the simplest explanation is usually the correct one, that they faked this, and over time, uh, one of them stopped wanting to tell the lie, which is why they stopped speaking with each other. So, but it just happened to be that the people that one of the guys who'd been involved with faking this before, and then two years later was filming a fictional movie about Bigfoot, just happened to stumble upon him. Yes, pretty pretty lucky coincidence there, Patterson and Gimlin. So I will say the Patterson Gimlin field is the one footage of Bigfoot that has not been conclusively scientifically disproven. Um, there has been, because there are certain things that I think Kate talks about more below with, like, the muscle rippling and different factors that scientists have not been able to figure out exactly how it would have been faked, which is the big holdout. So, there, it is something that is hotly contested on both sides, if Patterson-Gimlin was a hoax or not. Clearly, Kate is on the favor, it was not, Jack is on the favor that it is so we've heard both i would arguments. say that there's no evidence to suggest that it's not like you have to prove to me that it's real before right. i will accept it i'm not going to accept it just on the idea that they haven't been able to disprove it yet that's not very compelling evidence right right i am just i am just stating that it has not been conclusively disproven because i like to be accurate <laughs> lame uh, i know right uh, so how do you, back to the interview with Kate, how do you balance your viewpoint as a scientist who believes in certain parts of the pseudoscience of cryptozoology? I don't see any issues with scientifically investigating cryptids. Right, I will say that is something I appreciate. Kate does have a very scientific approach to, uh, looking at cryptids, which I do think is important. I think it is good to look into people, what people are seeing, because they're seeing something right i think that addresses both what they're actually seeing and any psychological stuff undergoing it's good to look into but you got to look at it scientifically uh so tell me about your experiences bigfoot hunting i think While she meant hawking. walking not hawking yeah you know i was just gonna say hawking because that's what it says <laughs> a lot of you just have to work with the material that you're given this was while hawking in the woods we found several footprints the oh, one I was a smaller footprint just off the trail in a moderately traveled trail. While barefoot running shoes with the toes were a thing at the time, I don't think it was those. The footprint was almost as wide as it was tall and did not show evidence of an arch. In addition, the footprint was so much deeper than the other shoe prints in the area. We have found other footprints on other trails as well. Some trails much less traveled. We go off the trail. Sorry, I ad-libbed. It felt appropriate. <laughs> okay. In addition, Jeremy made a Bigfoot-type call, and we got a call back from the other direction. Was it a Bigfoot hunter? Another one? We don't know. Sorry, I added that, Thank too. you added that. <laughs> this was about 10 at night during October of 2014. We were the only car at the trailhead parking lot. The call was crazy loud and sounded threatening. In addition, while hiking in West Virginia, we hear a threatening series of grunts from the brush off to our side. Based on the spider webs across the trail, not many people have been there recently. Okay. 
What is the most compelling evidence you personally have experienced? To me, the callback was super creepy and fairly good evidence of something out there in those woods. The trail would not be easy to hike at night without a light and there was no cars there. While there are a few houses kind of close by, I don't think it was a person responding. The call came back almost immediately and sounded very threatening. What do you think is the most convincing evidence that Bigfoot exists? The Patterson-Gimlin film is very convincing to me. That hurt to say. <laughs> the figure in the video is very tall and does not have the limb proportions of human. Keep in mind that the Psy makeup costumes of the era will be Planet of the Apes and Chewie from Star Wars, neither of which are very convincing. The figure in this film has hair on the body, but is not evenly spread out. The areas with less hair are consistent with other primates. Less hair on parts of the back and butt. The hair patterns on the Hollywood costumes is the same all over. Looking at footprint casts are also pretty interesting. Some casts show scars from injury, some show the foot moving around a small rock or of using the toes to hold on to a surface. Some casts also show evidence of dermal ridges. These would be very difficult to fake. Jeff Meldrum's book has a huge discussion of the different casts. He is an expert in foot morphology and how feet evolved to allow upright walking in humans. So I'm going to trust his analysis as he is the expert in that field. All right, we need to go back to this critiquing okay. the costumes she clearly has never seen the movie 2001 a space odyssey okay because the opening scene uh they faked the monkeys so good that people thought they were real mm -hmm. okay which would have been filmed at the same time also stanley kubrick is so good at filming things that people just often believe that he's responsible for many faked things interesting like they think that he filmed the moon landing yes i have heard that because of how realistic he made that movie. It looks more realistic than anything mm -hmm. that you've even seen now. And so he, people at the time could make uh, apes or monkeys that looked real. Okay. That's how I'll rebut my sister. The skeptical rebuttal. This is going to heat up the holidays. That's, that's me voicing her. This is a very strange morning for me. <laughs> I'm arguing with myself. You are. It's great. Uh, why do you think there's so little conclusive evidence that Bigfoot exists? There is little evidence for many reasons, but I will focus on the big ones to me. Most people dismiss the possibility outright due to many reasons. Most people do not really understand how much truly wild spots there are in this country and how connected some of the wild spots are connected. There is a corridor from CVNP into Pennsylvania. If you drive east of Youngstown on 80, the next big city is New York City. Her answer keeps going on the next slide. Oh, I didn't realize. I apologize. <laughs> the people out in the woods either don't have the knowledge or the equipment to take samples without contaminating them. Labs may also not take samples to run them. In terms of fossil records, the conditions have to be perfect for fossils to form. It is not common to find bones out in the woods, even though we know the animals are there. Between the predators and the scavengers, part gets scattered. During fall, the leaf litter can hide a lot, and research from the body farm shows how fast remains can decompose. And animals we don't think would eat bones do. We have evidence of deer munching on bones. Also have evidence of my dog Winston munching on bones. <laughs> that was a Jack edition. <laughs> Winston is his dog, not Kate's. Kate does not have a dog. 
No, she does not. Because no. Calvin is terrified of them. Yes. For many of us, the wild spots are limited to state and national parks, and we tend to stay on trails. There are spots on the Pennsylvania Turnpike where there's a hundred miles between rest spots. Nothing else. It is weird. People think that the whole of this content has explored, and there is nothing new to discover. So they look at the rest of the world and see how much there is to find, but not realize how much there is to do here still. Many native tribes have stories about these creatures, and I think there is a bit of not wanting to believe these people due to racism and having to mentally deal with how shitty our government has been to the natives. Okay, in conclusion, there is evidence to suggest that there is something out there in the woods. In order to have sightings, you have to have people and Bigfoots. We need to spend time and resources on determining which of the cryptids could be real and maybe find out the real story. I would just like to point out that I like that we have all independently decided to choose one of the three plurals of Bigfoot. I think it's still Bigfoot. Jack thinks it's Big Feet. Kate clearly has gone Bigfoots. Well, Big Feet would make sense if we're talking grammatically. Well, but there are some animals where, like, the plural of, you know, some animals... Is moose is moose? Yeah. Is that what you're going... That's you what think I was Bigfoot going. and moose are related? Yes. I think, well, and actually, if you think about it, a moose could easily be mistaken for Bigfoot. It that, could. That is, moose are a lot bigger than you think there are. There's also, I mean, a lot of people think it's bears. Yeah. I agree that there is something in the woods that people see that they think is Bigfoot. Yeah. I don't animals. know if I agree. Like, there are a lot of animals. I do also think that, yes, there are, unex there are animals we don't know about yet. I think I would be... And one of the big things that people do argue with, with Bigfoot, is there are a lot of animals that are still being discovered. However, for most of the animals still being discovered, there aren't groups of people that are specifically trying to go find them, like there are with Bigfoot. And the fact that we have had so much improvement in uh, videos, video yeah. technology, since a lot of these films, but we don't have better evidence with better videos. Right, like, you'd think that all the hunters that have their nighttime cameras set up all over the place, that someone would have found something by now. Mm -hmm. Either there are just, they are so good at hiding, or they're, like, it would be very difficult for them to continue on as a species because that would mean that there are so few and they're so isolated from each other mm -hmm. that it would be difficult for them to find a mate. Yeah. Indeed. So. There, there, so, I won't... I will not say that Bigfoot isn't real. I will say I am not convinced that Bigfoot is real, but I would love it if he was. Yeah, I would need to see a Bigfoot. Yes. And uh, footprints are not, <laughs> casts of things are not going to do it for me. I'm fairly certain that the conclusion of this episode is that somehow we're all going to end up going Bigfoot hunting. I feel like that's going to happen. Uh, that's going to happen. I'm surprised we haven't yet. So we'll, we'll, do, we'll film another episode. I after believe it's also called Squatchin'. Squatchin'. After we go Squatchin' as a family. It'll be exclusive YouTube content. Exclusive. <laughs> Exclusive patron content. Patron-only content. Doing, you get the videos. We're doing patron-only content now. So maybe maybe when we go squatching, I'll film for our patrons. <laughs> it's just me pouting, going, come on, guys. Yeah. 
That would be exactly what happened. Um, so this one... Actually, it'd just be my wife going, I'm going to be back at the hotel. You guys go nuts. She'd be like, have fun. I'm getting a mani-pedi. She'd have a great time. Actually, I might be with Colleen on this. Yeah, me too. Colleen's at the hotel hanging out. Okay, one one last sighting because it is a recent Chicago Mothman sighting from April fifteenth of twenty twenty one. Now Manuel Navarrete of the UFO Clearinghouse received a report from a woman claiming to be an employee of the Chicago Aviation Department that she saw a seven to eight foot tall black winged creature with glowing red eyes after leaving work at O'Hare International Airport at 9 p.m. on April 15th. According to the women's report, I'm, I'm, this is, so this is a direct blurb from hers. These are quotes. I, I wanted to relate a possible sighting of the Chicago Mothman that I had on April 15th, 2021 at approximately 9 p.m. at Chicago O'Hare. I initially was not going to report this and had kept it to myself for fear of someone thinking I had lost my mind and was seeing things. That changed when I read the sighting that was posted on Facebook about this gentleman who had the Mothman sighting, not even two blocks from where I work. I could not find that one. I didn't look that hard, though, so it might be pretty easy to find. I just... Google didn't pull it up for me. Uh, the sighting prompted me to look up your website and eventually send this to you. I work for the Chicago Department of Aviation at the office located on the airport grounds. I have worked there for about nine years and had previously worked at the airport in another capacity for five years prior. I know the airport like I know the palm of my hand, and I have heard the stories people tell about strange going-ons that happen. Don't people normally say the back of my hand? Yes. How trusty is this eyewitness testimony if she doesn't even know the common euphemism? Who knows? Who knows? Uh, she said, my sighting happened after I stayed late to catch up on work and had left about 9pm. As I walked out of the building into the parking lot, I heard what I could only describe as wings fluttering. That is a straightforward description. So, okay. Kind of like what you hear when a bird is going to take off or land. I dismissed it as just geese, as the airport has literally hundreds of them that hang around doing whatever geese seem to do. What followed was a loud screech. Nothing like a goose's honk, but very, very loud ear-splitting screech, like what you hear when a train is applying its brakes. But it was different as it went from a higher octave to a lower one, and then higher again. I know it was not the train, as the tracks are on the other side of the airport, about three to five, four miles away. I continued walking towards my car. When I heard the screech again, it sounded like it was coming from behind me. I turned and looked towards the trees over by the road and saw what looked like two red eyes looking right at me. I sat there looking at those eyes for what seemed an eternity. I couldn't move and felt it was like the air was being sucked out of my lungs, almost like I was having an asthma attack. I saw this thing emerge from around the trees. It was illuminated from behind the warehouses that were across the road. It must have been seven to eight feet tall and was black. About this time, a large truck was coming down the road, and it shot into the air and was gone in a matter of a second. Stood there for a few seconds, still afraid to move. When I finally came to my senses and sprinted to the car, I could not get into my car fast enough. As I closed the door, I heard the screech again. I turned on my car and left as quickly as I could. I am not one for over-exaggerations, but it almost felt as if I was being stalked. I was sick to my stomach for two to three days after that encounter, and just took it as a, and it took just as long for the feelings of paranoia to finally go away. It was the feeling of utter and complete hopelessness that disturbed me the most, and it helped contribute to my hesitancy of telling someone I didn't even tell my boyfriend until after I decided to send this to you. 
That's an odd personal note to add. It is. I feel like this is a secret that my boyfriend doesn't know about. Uh, well, she told him after, but that, that is, I, it's interesting. Certainly. I don't know how much they source that this person actually works at O'Hare. I don't know if they asked for evidence of this. Yeah, I think the thing that's tough uh, about the, the Mothman and that, you know, those sightings in general is one, probably owls. Mm-hmm. And because people, like we mentioned before, you know, the te- it's largely eyewitness testimony and people are scared and they're not good at judging the size of things, especially no. at night. Because you don't have anything relative to compare it to. Exactly. And when you're looking at something from a distance, you're probably thinking that it's bigger than it actually is because you were scared. So in your memory, you're going to expand mm-hmm. the size of it because it wasn't a two-foot-tall owl that was scaring you. It was an eight-foot-tall man. Mm-hmm. And, and, and also owls are terrifying. Owls are terrifying. And also there is the fact that um, having an upset stomach for two to three days after the experience would imply that she did go into fight or flight. It's really common to have stomach aches after going into fight or flight. So it would suggest that she did have a strong physiological response. Again, I'm confident she saw something that and was oh, genuinely yeah. terrified, not confident that it was Mothman. But I would love to hear if anyone else in the Chicagoland area has been seeing Mothman lately. Please tell me. I want to hear everything. I want to and hear. right, and it's right by O'Hare Airport, mm-hmm. by our house. So is there a connection between the house that's no longer Shirley's and the Mothman? Please tell us. <laughs> Please tell us what you think. Is was Shirley Mothman? <laughs> Jay better not ever listen to this episode. I doubt Jay even knows I have a podcast. (laughs) Or what podcasts are. It's fine. It's fine. I don't think Jay's into podcasting, so I think we are solid. (laughs) That's all I got. Anything you would like to add, Jack? Uh, I think that this was a silly, fun episode, and I hope that people enjoyed it. Uh, I don't really... I'd like to believe... That there's things out there that we don't know about, mm-hmm. because I think it makes for uh, a more, I don't like a better world, you know, that there's still stuff for us to discover. Mm-hmm. But I think the idea that we're going to discover really large mammals that we've never seen before is not very likely. Mm-hmm. But like you said before, you know, certainly, you know, I think that we don't understand everything about the ocean. And, you know, maybe there's something that we're overlooking and that there's a random part of the South American rainforest that you can't access by a glacier. And there's ancient giant Australopithecus sloths still out there somewhere. But I think the chances of that are not very good. Okay, number one, I, I too... I distinctly remember that documentary that we watched, <laughs> and it was convinced. I will say, as far as cryptozoology, that one at least gave a very plausible reason as to that it, it could be there because it can't be accessed by humans. And that's the thing is, I won't, I, there are absolutely, concretely, there are things we don't know about this world. There are tons of things we don't know. We still are discovering things. I don't know if these are the things that we're going to discover, but I'm sure there will be something that comes out that surprises people, particularly 
in parts of the world that humans can't really access right now and in well and also especially not that uh is typically accessed by western society Mm -hmm. because a lot of these are cryptids until they're accepted by western society yes because racism is a big factor that is also a factor right so it is it is in, it'll be interesting to see what we do discover but we're not done discovering things i just don't know if bigfoot is going to be what we discovered but like i said insects I'm, yes i would believe if you're like there's a new insect i'd be like of course there is bugs on bugs on bugs there's a there's an eight foot tall ape that runs around and be like i am not as confident in that one <laughs> But I hope. I'm rooting for Bigfoot on this one. It would be fun if Bigfoot was real. I really want him to be. Uh, So per your suggestion, which is the cryptozoological creature that you would want to hang out the most with the most? The least is definitely Mothman. Okay, yeah. Mothman's terrifying. And then it would would probably go if we're... uh, I think uh, Nessie would probably be number one. Or Champy if we're going to talk about Lake Champlain. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, which also has similar sightings. Uh, I would think because you could probably like ride on Nessie and that would be like a fun way to go around, you know, the lock. Uh, And then probably Bigfoot. Mm -hmm. Because I think Bigfoot seems, you know, he seems pretty chill. Yeah. Just hang out out in the forest. Like that would be a fun day. Mm -hmm. Uh, Chupacabra and then Mothman would be last. Just out any anyone that you could come up with, Mothman definitely lasts. The thing is terrifying. And Mothman sightings are usually associated with disasters. Like, there were a lot of sightings on a bridge that went on to collapse afterwards. So Mothman, yeah, I would agree right. Mothman lasts. Uh, even though Bigfoot is allegedly terrifying, I'd probably put Bigfoot number one. Like, particularly if there's, like, a baby Bigfoot. Like, a young it one. Just see, pretty nice, right? Just like, a regular size foot. A regular, regular one. Uh, yeah, I'd say Bigfoot, um, yeah, probably Bigfoot, then Nessie, then Chupacabra, then Mothman, for me. And there's others that were There's a left lot, out. for the sake of time. Yeah, we can't do an eight-hour podcast. We need room for part two. Dun, 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 part two, the squatching. Uh, but... <laughs> the squatching. The squatching. So, yeah, I think I will thank you for coming on my podcast. Thank you for having me. I am honored to be the first guest, and I hope my impression of Kate was good for everyone. All the listeners out there, sound off in the comments. What'd you think? All the listeners, except for Kate. (laughs) Should I bring that voice into my stand-up act? Let me know in the comments. give him feedback. Alright guys, thank you so much for listening to that episode of Spooky Psychology with Megan and temporarily not Lauren. Big thanks to my brother and guest host Jack Baker. I just wanted to quickly let you guys know a couple things. We have updated our patron perks. So if you are an existing patron, please log on to your Patreon account and and give us your vote for our next patron episode. Now all patrons, one dollar and up, are able to vote on one on like every other episode topic. If you are a five dollar or up patron, you will now be able to give feedback on episodes. We're gonna drop comments for you guys on the Patreon with all upcoming episodes. You can let us know what you want us to cover in that, what topics we should do, any questions you want addressed. And we are also working on patron exclusive 
content. Right now it's for $10 and up patrons. We may change that in the future, but there will be a mini-sode once a month for our patrons. So those are a couple things. Um, we also have, if you want to join, I'm going to leave that in the episode comments. There's also going to be an affiliate link for Fiverr. So we have a brand new affiliate link with Fiverr. If you don't know, Fiverr is a website where you can pretty much get a lot of different things for $5. There are more expensive ones, but there's lots of different things you can do. So actually our Spooky Psychology logo and intro song were both purchased on Fiverr made by some lovely artists. If you're looking for anything like that, please check it out and use our link. They also have things like workout classes, lots and lots of different things. So be sure to check that out. And as far as good shit going on in the world, I'm just going to throw it out. If anybody hasn't watched it, everybody should watch Only Murders in the Building. It is on Hulu. It is so, so good. I'm sure Laura and I will discuss it when she gets back. But it's an amazing show about making a murder podcast. It's so, so funny. So I'm obsessed with it. And go check it out. And thanks for getting spooky with us.